school begins this week. For some already perhaps has begun. For others, just in a few days. For those of us in this room, perhaps we've had summer session. And we will talk a bit today about the classroom, a specific course <laughs> that perhaps you have been enrolled in, the classroom of contentment. This is a tough course, I have to warn you. This is not basket weaving 101. This will challenge you, and as Cheryl just beautifully sang to us, it tests us in times of trouble and all of us encounter trouble. Most inventions have been created. Necessity is the mother of invention. And when we go to the drugstore and get a prescription, it is as a result of someone's problem and a solution for that particular problem. Every problem that we have and we see through provides not just for our lives but blesses all those who will follow after us. So we want to talk about this classroom for a bit today. The Apostle Paul is the one who presents himself as the student, but all of us, I believe, identify with him instantaneously and very easily today in this, in this passage of Scripture. From verse 10 through verse 14, it's in the NIV, it's on the screen. If you don't have a Bible handy, you can look and uh, follow along from there. I want you to notice attitudes because that's where we've been sharing and talking about the importance of, of attitude. While you're finding that text, let me just say, all of us have them. We have them all the time. We will repeat ourselves several times today in the fact that our attitudes are not created by our circumstances. We choose them. They are not created, they are chosen. And so it's up to us to make the choice. We can't change our circumstances, but we can choose how we react to those. It's not what happens to us, it's what happens in us. And so we have looked at several different attitudes together, expectation, and, and last week we just heard some instruction from the Lord about an attitude of being critical. Judge not lest we be judged. Today it's contentment. Listen to the Apostle Paul. Verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you have had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances and I know what it is to be in need I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want 
I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Yet it is good for you to share in my troubles. Let me give you a definition of contentment first. Contentment is an inward attitude of the heart that submits to and delights in God's care in every situation. Let me repeat it for you. Contentment is an inward attitude of the heart that submits to and delights in God's care in every situation. So there is a divine link to what we will be considering together tonight. Paul makes that link. He said, I can do this. I have an explanation for how I'm able to do what I've said to you I can, and that is through Christ who strengthens me. So we'll consider together that particular statement of Paul this morning. I have learned the secret of being content. It is not a natural circumstance or situation that we have, but something that we develop, the skill, we develop the ability. We learn the secret of contentment. Certainly it had nothing to do with his circumstances, and many of you are familiar with the Apostle Paul and where he is when he's writing this letter. And let me just give you the verses of Scripture that will help us see the circumstances in which the Apostle Paul makes this statement, I have learned the secret of contentment in every circumstance. Chapter 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul is in a Roman jail. He's in prison. And he's making this statement to us. Verse 7, it is right for me to feel this way about you since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and, for defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has already served to advance the gospel. We'll come back to that in a moment because it's, it's attitude that produces action and activity. We're not going to concentrate ever on changing our actions because it is our attitude that will determine our activity. It did for the Apostle Paul, it does for us. And so it's important for us to realize if you're disturbed with what you do, you need to understand it springs from your heart. It comes from the attitude that you have. You can't really mask that attitude because it will manifest itself in your actions and in your deeds. The Apostle Paul makes this very clear. We'll talk about what he did in the midst of his circumstances that reveal the kind of healthy attitude that he's talking about here. He's in prison. Everything that goes with that, we need to take a moment just to let our mind identify with him in that place. He, he is confined. He's not free to come and go as he would choose. He's not free to choose his menu. He has to eat what is prepared for him and when they deliver it to him. He is, he is not able to do what the normal person who is here this morning, he is separated from friends and family. He is dependent on those and at the mercy of those who have incarcerated him. So without many of the 
circumstances that we enjoy this morning, have enjoyed and will continue to enjoy throughout the day, but he said, I, I am content. I am absolutely content here in chain. I'm chained to a Roman soldier and I'm here in prison, but my attitude is not chained. I am not a prisoner in my spirit. He said, I am rejoicing. The theme of the book of Philippians is joy. And he is saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. And he is repeatedly speaking about his joy and, and exhorting the Philippians to experience the same joy that he has. He's in jail. He's in prison. Verses 14, 15, and 16 and following, he is being talked about. He is being bad-mouthed by some. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word more, more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in my chains. So he understands. The grapevine brings him back the information of the fact that some people are using his imprisonment as a way of making life even more difficult for him. So public opinion in some is, are against him. He's encouraged with some people preaching the gospel more courageously, but there are those who are bad-mouthing the Apostle Paul. Anybody ever get discontented because someone has an attitude toward you? You might not, every, everybody might not like you, but you don't have to have any enemies. Think about that, just a thought. Everyone may not have the good taste to care about you or like you, but that's not your fault. You see, I don't think the Lord wants us to be at the mercy of everybody else's attitude. Because if that's the case, if that's the circumstance required to have us a contented attitude, we'll live most of our lives in a discontented situation or state. How many know you can't please everybody? How many know you can't please many people? How many know there's only one person you really have to please? And he's the Lord. So he is being spoken about and yet he's able to say in prison and I'm being spoken hardly against I've got people who have an attitude here that I'm dealing with but I'm still content in the circumstances I've learned how to deal with that attitude and he is facing very probable and in fact at a later date did suffer execution from that prison cell for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the spirit of Jesus what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no wise right now whether I'm going to live or die. And it was a very real threat. And in fact, there was a point in time he did not leave the prison, but died there giving his life. When you read the second epistle, he writes to Timothy. He says, the time of my departure is at hand. And that whole chapter is a farewell note to this, this son in the faith, and he was executed from, from a Roman prison. Content. I have learned to be content. There's a couple notes that I 
wanted to insert here when I was talking about other people's attitude, I clipped this and filed it and pulled it out for this, this message. At age 20, we worry about what others think of us. At age 40, we don't care what other people think of us. At age 60, we discover other people haven't been thinking about us. I don't know if you heard about the, the man who quit going to football games because he thought every time the teams huddled up, they were talking about him. You know, there's a more than a fair share of uh, paranoia in all of us, and we, if we have that particular problem, we're going to live pretty discontented, disconcerted lives. The Apostle Paul challenges us in the fact that he made a choice and that that choice brought to him contentment fact is that our choices of attitude determine our activity and our actions and when we examine the apostle paul and the actions and activities of his time of imprisonment how did he spend his time? Did he just sit and sulk and wait for deliverance? Pray, God, get me out of this place so I can do something significant for you? We would not have this prison epistle or the other several prison epistles had. He had an attitude that said, I, I'm just going to bide my time, God. You're going to have to deliver me from these circumstances because I can't serve you in these circumstances. I've got to wait for you to create better circumstances in which I'm able to do what you've called me to do. Let the Holy Spirit challenge this church, every one of us this morning, to understand no matter what circumstance we are in, if we have the proper attitude, God can use us. And he wrote much of the New Testament while he's sitting chained to a Roman soldier. We would not have much of the New Testament had it been that he adopted an attitude that says, you know, I, I can't stand this, Lord. You're going to have to deliver me from here, God. I'm just sitting here and, and, and just sorry for myself, and I've got to wait for a better day, wait for my ship to come in so I can finally succeed. No, I believe God has significant ministry for us right where we are, even if it's in the worst of circumstances, God can pour out and pour into us something that will last, something that will live, something that will minister. You see, all of the churches started by the Apostle Paul in, in Greece and in Turkey and those areas of the world, not one of them exists today. All of those New Testament churches that we study that Paul pioneered and as a missionary evangelist began they're, they're not, they don't, they're unexistent today. Those churches do not exist. Those countries are dominated by Muslims today. We understand that not one of those churches still exists. There may be a few smatterings of Christians in those countries, but really not a Philippian church anymore or a Colossian church or a church at Rome as, as it was when Paul was there. But his letters have lasted 2,000 years. And they're just as real, just as powerful, just as anointed as when the Holy Spirit poured them through his pen. 
You see, the most enduring part of Paul's ministry came when he was in prison. Thank God for what he was able to do in establishing those churches. Many people were saved, and God raised up great leadership for that time and brought the gospel our direction. But I'll tell you what, the most enduring part of Paul's ministry you have on your in your hand and on your lap this morning, the letters that he wrote while he was there in prison, your actions will be impacted by your attitude and we can have, we can have a defeated attitude and say, I, I can't serve God until, I can't serve God uh, uh, when, I'll serve him if. Oh, Paul said every circumstance because, you see, our circumstances do not dictate our attitude. We choose that. And Paul had to learn. He said, I've discovered that when I was, I abounded, that didn't bring contentment to me. And when I was abased, I didn't lose it then. The Holy Spirit has to help us here this morning. You see, if you think you're going to get contentment when you reach a certain level, you see, a certain level can't produce contentment. You're not hearing me. A certain level cannot produce contentment. I don't care whether it's possessions or positions or, or whatever it is. It does not have the power to produce contentment in your heart. Look at baseball players today and, and you'll see the fact that if you're making $200 million an hour, they're still going to strike because they're not content. They've reached this level, but there's no contentment up there. That doesn't have the power to produce contentment. And when you're in prison, it doesn't have the power to rob you of contentment. That's what he's saying. I've learned to abound and to abase. I am full and I'm hungry. That has nothing to do with my attitude. You with me? That I, I choose my attitude. And my attitude is going to be by the power of God he will produce contentment. I can do all things through Christ. I know that's a broad brush. I know that's a principle that involves a lot of things, but I want us to reduce it today because last week we talked about given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, and we always talk about giving money and that's the promise. And I know that principle applies. That wasn't the context, was it? It was talking about mercy. He said, if you, what measure you meet, it shall be returned to you. If you, whatever container you're using to extend mercy, that's the container you'll receive back. Forgiven, you'll be forgiven. That whole context, and it's in that context that verse is given. If you give mercy in abundance, God is going to give back to you good measure, press down, shake it together. And sometimes we take verses out of context, and I know the, the principle is big enough to incorporate something. But that's not the context of that verse. The whole context of that scripture is talking about our relationship to each other in giving and receiving mercy and forgiveness. This passage, this portion, this statement of the Apostle Paul also is a broad brush statement that we, we know he's able to help us do everything we need to do. But in prison, in prison, with our attitude, he is able to help us to do all things. It's through his strength. His power that enables us. So I want us to narrow it to the context today. 
and understand that what Paul was talking about in that statement was, God is so working in my life supernaturally that he's able to sustain an attitude in my heart in prison that will manifest itself in actions of ministry that he witnessed to so many soldiers chained to him that they were saints in Caesar's household. Hallelujah. He was not waiting to get out of that circumstance in order to do something significant for God. And as we see ourselves today in circumstances of life, oh, I'll, you know, I would be content if I were married. Others are saying, oh, I would be content if I weren't married. Oh, I'd be content if I just had children. You know, I'd be content. <laughs> Can you hear the other voices saying, Oh, if I didn't have these kids, then I could be content. No, 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 no. Contentment is not... Marriage doesn't have the power to bring contentment to you. And everybody said... Being single doesn't have the power... The only thing God's saying to us today is, you look, no matter what kind of circumstances, it doesn't have the power to bring contentment. Only Jesus, if you make the choice for it, he has the power to produce it. And if he produces that attitude, it will be manifest in the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you work. What do you do for God in your prison? Where are you in that circumstance of life? I made a note that I want to read. It says, gratitude has to do with feeling full. I never thought of it that way. It struck me, and, and I made a note of it. Gratitude has to do with feeling full, complete, adequate. We have everything we need. Ingratitude leaves us, listen to this, leaves us in a state of discontent in which we are always looking for something else. Think about that. Ingratitude leaves us in a state of discontent, always looking for something else. Guaranteed, whatever it is you set your sights on, when you get there, it won't be long. There may be a momentary excitement about getting there, but it will not be long until you're looking for something else. If you're not satisfied anywhere, you won't be satisfied anywhere. That's probably profound. You can write that one down. And whatever situation content in every situation. I saw this too and I clipped it and I, I just want to share it with you. Stephen Hawking's astrophysicist, Cambridge University. This article says perhaps he's the most intelligent man on earth. He has advanced the general theory of relativity further than any person since Albert Einstein. Unfortunately, He's afflicted with ALS syndrome, Lou Gehrig's disease. It will eventually take his life. He's been confined to a wheelchair for years. 
where he can do little more than sit and think. Hawkins has lost the ability to speak. He now communicates by means of a computer operated from the tiniest movement of his fingertips. Omni Magazine is where we got this article. He's too weak to write, feed himself, comb his hair, fix his glasses. All this must be done for him, yet this most dependent of all men has escaped invalid status. His personality shines through the messy details of his existence. Hawking said that before he became ill, he had very little interest in life. He called it, quote, pointless existence, resulting from sheer boredom. He drank too much, did very little work. Then he learned he had ALS syndrome and was not expected to live more than two years. The ultimate effect of that diagnosis beyond his initial shock was extremely positive. He claimed to have been happier after he was afflicted than before. How can you understand? He provides the answer and I'm giving you a quote. When one's expectation is reduced to zero, he said, one really appreciates everything that one does have. Stated another way, he said, contentment in life is determined in part by what a person anticipates from it. To a man like Hawking who thought he would soon die quickly, everything takes on meaning. A sunrise, a walk in the park, the laughter of his children. Suddenly, each small pleasure becomes precious. By contrast, those who believe life owes them a free ride are often discontent with the finest of things. Does that preach to you? Wow. This man who can't move, can't talk, uses just a little movement of his fingers, the computer, to communicate through a computer, says I... I learned how to live. <laughs> oh, Cheryl, what a song. Sometimes it takes the storm to get you to seek a shelter. Sometimes it takes ALS syndrome to show you the value of life. He had a different attitude when he was dying than he did when he was living. And God has to say something to us this morning in this service we have the choice. We do. We have the choice every day. What attitude are we going to have? How are we going to proceed? Oh, I'm in prison, Pastor. You know, if I can get out of this place, if I could just move on and move along, I would be content. No, no, no. No, I'm here to tell you that's not going to happen. It's not going to be. It's not going to happen. I could just get ministry. If I could get... No, it's not going to happen. God has epistles for you to write in prison that may well be your legacy. And the other works that you think you would do will not endure time, nor last eternally. But these letters that Paul wrote will live forever. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my word shall never pass away. It is forever settled in heaven. And what God did through Paul in that prison will last. 
This church will crumble and all churches will be burned. But that which is done by the power and inspiration of God in that time of prison will last forever. All I'm saying is God has a ministry for you in this prison that may last far beyond anything else you will ever do. May be your legacy. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I had uh, had this forwarded to me from Ed Blacker after the first Sunday that I preached on attitude. And I, I filed it because it, it blessed him and blessed me. It's a man named Michael. Michael is the kind of guy you love to hate. He's always in a good mood. Always has something positive to say. When someone would ask him how he was doing, he would reply, if I were any better, I'd be twins. He was a natural motivator. If an employee was having a bad day, Michael was there telling the employee how to look on the positive side of the situation. Seeing this style really made me curious, so one day I went to Michael and asked him, I don't get it. You can't be a, a, that kind of positive person all the time. How do you do it? He replied, each morning I wake up and say to myself, Mike, you have two choices today. You can choose to have a good mood or you can choose to have a bad one. I choose to have a good one. Each time something bad happens, I can choose to be a victim or I can choose to be victorious. I choose to learn from it. Every time someone comes to me complaining, I can choose to accept their complaining or I can point out the positive side of life. I choose the positive side of life. Yeah, right. That's not that easy, I protested. Yes, it is, Michael said. Life is all about choices. When you cut away all the junk, every situation is a choice. Every situation is a choice. You choose how you'll react. Choose how people will affect your mood. Choose to be in good mood or bad. Bottom line, it's your choice how you live. I reflected on what Michael said, and soon after there I left to start my own business, lost touch, but I often thought about him when I made a choice about life instead of reaching it. Several years later, I heard Michael was involved in a serious accident, falling some 60 feet from a communicating tower. After 18 hours of surgery and weeks of intensive care, Michael was released from the hospital with rods placed in his back. I saw Michael about six months after the accident, and when I asked him how he was, he said, if I were any better, I'd be twins. Want to see my scars? I declined to see the wounds, but I did ask him what had gone through his mind when the accident took place. He said, the first thing that went through my, what my mind was the well-being of my family, soon-to-be-born daughter. Michael replied, then as I lay on the ground, I remembered I had two choices. I could choose to live or choose to die, so I chose to live. Did you lose consciousness, I asked Michael. He said, the paramedics were great. They kept telling me I was going to be okay. But when they wheeled me into the ER, I saw the expression on the faces of the doctors, and in their eyes I could read, he's a dead man. I knew I needed a vacation. 
What did you do? He said, well, there was a big burly nurse shouting questions at me, and she was saying, Michael, uh, do you, are you allergic to anything? And I said, yes. Doctors and nurses stopped working, waited for my reply. With a deep breath, I yelled, gravity! Over their laughter, I told them, I'm choosing to live. Operate on me as I am alive, not dead. And Michael lived, thanks to the skill of the doctor, but also because of his amazing attitude. I learned from him that every day we have the, the attitude. After all, attitude is everything. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 6.34 You have two choices. Ed liked that. I like that. I hope you did too. It just preaches the, the sermon to us today. The Apostle Paul said, I learned this. I, I got into course. It, it's not an easy course to take. Prison is not a pleasant place. Some of the circumstances you're in not a pleasant place. But oh, life is so much better when we can live it content. Because our actions are so much better when we're content. Father, I pray that you will enable us today by your spirit. Just as the apostle learned that he could do everything through Christ. We know today, Lord, it is, not, it is not our ability, our personality. That's not what makes it happen. But Lord, we understand without you, we couldn't do it. Without you, we can do nothing. I pray, Lord, you will just save us from false expectations today that the devil would cause us to believe if we just had different circumstances, we would do different things. But Lord, the challenge to us this morning is that it's our attitude that needs to change, not the circumstances. And when you're good and ready, you can change the circumstances. But Lord, I believe with all of my heart, prison epistles can be written by us. And it may be our best legacy and right where we are, in every circumstance, every situation, you can bring contentment to us. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Let that scripture become a very real part of our declaration today. Wherever you find us, Lord, wherever we are today, unjustly put there, perhaps, but you had a providential reason for Paul being there. It was no mistake. This was not just something the enemy did to him, circumstance that other people did to him. You providentially directed his steps there. He knew it. He said, the things that have happened to me have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. And so, Lord, we accept 
those circumstances that you allow to come providentially that it might advance the kingdom of God. We'll give you praise for it now in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I've left some moments so God can do some things for us on purpose. I want us to stand. Pastor's going to teach us a new chorus since school is in and we are in class. The brand new chorus he's been wanting to teach us and it has to do with the message today. So give attention to the screen, listen to the words, and I think you'll learn it rather quickly. Pastor, lead us, please. <laughs> 